This show is sponsored by Honey Road, my favorite restaurant in Vermont, serving Eastern Mediterranean small plates at the corner of Church and Main Streets in downtown Burlington. Not only is it award-winning food, it is run by two excellent people who are excellent to their staff, so you can feel kind of smug about eating really good food. Make a reservation, go eat, and say hello for me. On to the show. This is Rumblestrip. I'm Erica Heilman. People are looking at bobcats differently today than what they were even 20 years ago. They represent something now that's um, kind of wild. Things are good if there's a bobcat there that the woods must be alive, you know. That's Patrick Sonera. He's been hunting and tracking bobcats here in Vermont for 50 years, since he was 12 years old. And for every single day he's gone hunting, he has a diary entry about that hunt. The weather, the birds, the bears, the behavior of the cat tracks he followed. And for the majority of those days, Patrick never even saw a bobcat, because you almost never see them, which is why Patrick follows them. Last year, Patrick went out tracking cats with his hounds 150 times, and he shot one bobcat. He says it isn't about the killing, and that's actually what all good hunters say. Then when you ask them, then why not just take a camera? Pretty much the answer is, because I'm a hunter. And I can see the logic in this. Part of Patrick's love for bobcats is the fact of the hunt. And part of why he's able to share years worth of knowledge with Vermont Fish and Wildlife is because now and then, he kills one. Here's Patrick Sonera. I've been hunting bobcats pretty much all my life. I'm 62 years old, and I've been hunting them for 50 years now. Or tracking them, hunting them, following them, and I'm just fascinated by them. I did a lot of reading when I was little. I read a lot of books about out west um, mountain lion hunting and stuff and with dogs, and it was fascinating to me. And I'd read these stories and I'd imagine what it was like. So I went with a good friend, an old-time Vermonter, and he had been doing this for a long time. He was, he was a houndsman, too, and uh, he was nice to take a little kid with him because not everybody wants a little kid going. So he, I think he saw that um, the future of hunting was with young people, and he, he knew that already. And if you had that much interest in going to, to, to really try that hard, he was happy to show you if you had that enthusiasm. And I did. I mean... Um, he would pick me up like five o'clock in the morning and he would say, you need to be outside standing at the side of the road because I'm not coming to your house and waiting for you. And so I would be out there 4.30 and I would be waiting for him shivering because it was cold. It was January. And so I'd be waiting for him and he'd come, he'd get me and we'd go. And um, anyways, we went out and uh, we had to look all day to find a track and we finally did. And we finally got one going. It was in Lincoln. And there was a lot of snow. And he put me in the perfect spot that I was going to see the cat. There was no way it could get by. It was kind of like at an intersection, and it had to go by me. I had to see it if it was going to leave that spot, that area. And so I was set up. I was there. I was ready. I was watching. I was sure I was going to see it. I had a shotgun. I was going to shoot at it. I was going to get it. It was all set up. I was going to get it at 12 years old. Well, the cat never came out. Um, My friend ended up getting it in a different spot, but I never even saw it. And so after he got it, I got to, you know, examine it and check it out. And it was just amazing. It was really big. It was 31 pounds. Um, It was an old cat. And its teeth were actually wore right down to the gums. 
And I don't know how it got anything, but it did. It was living well. It had fat on it. It was, it was living well, but it was just an old, old cat. And uh, it was remarkable to me. I was like fascinated. I, I still have some of the hair from it, believe it or not. I plucked some out and I, I still have it in one of my, my dear diary hunting logs. So it had, you know, big ears with the tufts on the top. Its face was wide. It had big ruffs. Its belly was spotted, had a lot of spots on it. It was beautiful, beautiful animal. It's soft, soft, soft. The feet were huge, the front feet, and they had claws. But the thing I remember the most, and you're going to laugh, it stunk awful. It was, it was definitely had a smell to it, like a stinky barn cat or something. And I've had other people smell them. They go, oh, God, and they, they hold their nose, and I find it pretty neat now. So, yeah. Yeah, I started out that way, and I, I was just hooked from that day on. And that was just, I don't know, the second or third time that he took me. You go a lot, and you're spending probably 70, 80% of your time looking for one, and maybe 20% of your time actually chasing one. So it's... Uh, so all of this time, you're following this track, but you're not actually seeing the cat. No. Nope. For a lot of people who are who are picturing what this is, they picture you with binoculars and there's a cat and you're chasing it. So, like if you were bird watching or like watching deer, you can go out and you can see the birds, see the deer, and so that's a lot of fun for a lot of people, and it makes them, uh, you know, it makes it more enjoyable because you're seeing the critter. Um, but these guys. It's a gift from God. You had a wonderful day if you saw the bobcat, period. And so it's not for everybody. They're mysterious that they're sneaking and peeking. They hide. Um, they make a living from their eyes. And so they see you before you see them. And so they just disappear. So you could go out and not see one for days, months at a time, you know, and, and just follow these tracks or follow this trail and and understand it with their lifestyle just from their tracks. For me, it's like reading a book. It's like I can read this sign and I can read this cat's life from its tracks. I'm seeing a ghost. I'm seeing a mystery. I'm seeing a, a hidden puzzle. <laughs> I had an old-time Vermonter that I was very good friends with. He told me, uh, he told me that if you spend a lot of time in the woods, the exception becomes the rule. You see these once-in-a-lifetime things, and so if you're out there a lot, you're seeing some unique things that uh, nobody else would see or hear about. It's, I'm almost understanding. The exception becomes the rule. Can you? Sure. What, what did he mean? More, more uh, these, that mean? these once in a lifetime sightings or their occurrences out in the woods uh, are happening more and more. They're common to you because you are so in tune to the woods and you're spending so much time out there that uh, I myself have a personal story that, that in 1994 um, I was hunting and it was in March. It was after the season was over. So I was I was tracking bobcats. I was hunting them with the dogs. You can still chase them, but you can't kill them. It was in March, and that's the mating season for bobcats. That's when the toms are moving all around looking for females. Well, anyways, um, that day, 
we went out in the morning and I found a pair of tracks. And so I started following them and we caught up to the, the cats. They were in like some uh, alders and I had the dog on the leash at that point. I wasn't, I hadn't let her go yet. And anyways, we come through the alders and we came around and about 40 yards in front of us uh, was these two bobcats and they were actually mating. And I just stood there and watched and I, I, uh, um, the male was like twice the size of the female and he was beautiful, beautiful cat. He was huge. He was silvery colored, had big head, big ruffs, big ears and he was so preoccupied with the lady there, he didn't even know I was there, and he didn't care I was there watching. But the female, um, she was a little spooky. She saw us right off, and she was nervous, and she was looking at us, but she, she stayed there too, and they actually made it. I mean, they actually, they weren't just playing around. They were, they were breeding, and so I got to watch them, and uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to let them do their thing and they can go off on their own and next year there'll be more babies. <laughs> so you could spend so much time in the woods and never see something like that. And I've seen that. Sometimes I get attached to like this one particular animal. And I, I, um, just this summer, there's a, a cat in Stocksboro that I've, I've chased it probably six times or seven times. This is one I can count on even during the summer to go have fun with, chase, learn about. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. And I've learned um, there's bears there, and I've seen that track umpteen times. I haven't seen it. There's a single moose there. And uh, last Friday I went to this area. I was after this same particular cat. Didn't find it that day. Didn't even find its track. But I saw a bear that day. It come up across this trail and I saw it, it saw us and we were like looking at each other. And so even though I didn't chase the cat, wasn't that a cool thing? That that made my day. That was like, yoo-hoo. I come back a better person at the end of the day because I'm, I have a clearer head. And I might be tired and, you know, I might be sore or whatever, I'm walking or whatever, but I, it's a good tired. It's a good sore. It's, I feel like I'm alive. I mean, yeah. a different world now than what it was when I was growing up. And like I say, when I was growing up, um, bobcat hunting, to be a cat hunter was, you could be proud of that. That was something that, man, you did something. Not everybody can do this. And, and that was something you wanted on your gravestone. Here lies Patrick Snare, the cat hunter. That was something you could be proud of. You'd stick your chest out and say, yeah, I did something with my life. Nowadays, it's not like that anymore. You almost, you don't want to talk about it, that you can't mention it to people. I've had a lot of people nowadays, hunters, that'll say to me, well, you've got one, you've got it mounted in your den, you've got a nice rug there. Why do you want to get another one? Why do you want to kill another one? And it's not about killing bobcats. That's not why I'm out there. It's, it's fascinating to uh, understand them and try to uh, see how their lifestyle is then what is the rationale for, for hunting instead of just looking? It makes me want to go a little bit more if, if, if I at some point take one. 
I mean, I try so hard, so hard to get one. I mean, I live, breathe, and sleep to get one. And when I do, I, I feel a little bad about it. But I, it, it, that's part of the picture. And if, if taking one or even two makes me want to try that much harder to save that habitat or to go again, why not do it? And, and, and it's going to make me have more information, more knowledge. Those are things that I can look at and say, yeah, I, I help this population by taking this one. Do you have an example of a way that your knowledge of these cats has impacted policy in this state? Well, I, I can give you a good example. Just a few years ago, Fish and Wildlife got a grant from the government to study bobcats with radio collars. But they didn't have all the knowledge of all the information that they needed to go find the bobcats. So they were asking hunters and trappers to step in and volunteer or help out. And and a lot of folks did. I I was one of them. And so I gave them information where to go to find these creatures. So Fish and Wildlife got a great amount of information about bobcats, how they lived, how they traveled. They have some of these dots on the map now of their ranges, how they lived, when they moved, that type of thing. But now that they had this information, now VTRANS, some of the highway department, they learned places that they needed to be careful with, that they either had to build better bridges or they had to have uh, guardrails different or just how they interacted, yes, going under the roads, how they interacted with people so people wouldn't crash their cars or hit the animals. And uh, so, yes, that helped the bobcats in, in particular, but it also helped um, people. So whether you're a nature lover or a hunter or whatever, you're all really working for the same thing. You're working for that environment to be able to thrive. So if you could work together rather than work separately, you could really get a lot done. So for a non-hunting person to understand that, people that really care about those animals or the ones that are out there every day looking at them, tracking them, trying to follow them, trying to understand that. And uh, that's my life. That's what I've done. That's what all I want to do. I'm, I'm so proud of that. I'm a cat hunter. That's, I can say that. That's who I am. That was Patrick Sonera. Music for the show is by Brian Clark of Callis, Vermont. If you have a comment, I'd love to hear it. Just go to my website, rumblestripvermont.com, and go to the show page, and at the bottom of the page, you'll see a comment box. I have T-shirts for sale. They're very classy and explicit. They say Rumblestrip. It's a podcast. Rumblestrip is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a Boston-based collective of smart, idea-driven podcasts. This week, I want to tell you about another Hub & Spoke show called The Lonely Palette. It's hosted by Tamar Avishai, and it's a show that returns art history to the masses, one painting at a time. It's a really personable, smart show, and one of my favorites so far is about that Eche Homo restoration of a forgotten 19th century Spanish fresco. You've seen it. It's amazing. It's Jesus, but it looks kind of like a sock puppet. The show is called Behold the Monkey, and you can find it at thelonelypalette.com. And you can also check out the rest of the Hub & Spoke shows at hubspokeaudio.org. 
Again, the show is sponsored by my favorite restaurant, Honey Road, serving Eastern Mediterranean small plates at the corner of Church and Main Streets in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Make a reservation. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>